together on uh, a couple of songs we'd really love for you to sing with us. Are y'all back there? <laughs> yeah. uh, if you want to make your way forward so we can see you, that'd be nice too. We'd, we like it when you sit, sit close. You ready? Just a moment. Hey, girls. Hi. Did y'all get all unpacked from, for the suit, um, your suitcases for the slumber party this weekend? <laughs> yes. yes. 
Are y'all sure y'all are just staying for one night? Because there's enough suitcases back there for a whole week. <laughs> just one night? No. Well, I went to the store this weekend and got some cookies and some sprinkles and all kind of different color icing. So, are y'all wanting to do that first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is everybody yeah. thinking that? Yeah. Do y'all have something else in mind? I brought these two movies. Let me see. You brought some movies? Hmm. Well, oh my. Let me see. These are both rated R. Do you watch rated R movies at your house? Sometimes. Did your parents know you brought those to watch here? I don't think those are quite appropriate. So what else could we do? Y'all ready to do cookies? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Mama, why can't I have a Facebook? You have a Facebook account? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, you're really supposed to be 13 to get on Facebook legally. And I know Facebook's kind of fun to keep up with your friends, but there are some mean things on Facebook, too. So, I don't, but, does your mom and daddy know you have a Facebook account? Mm-hmm. Well, there's nice stuff on Facebook, too. That's true, but why don't we wait till we're 13 and we'll discuss that again. 13. Um, 13. Who, who is that? My boyfriend. Your what? My boyfriend. Oh my gosh, he is so cute. Oh, that is so cute. Wait, oh wait, my wait. gosh. You have a boyfriend? Yes. Look at him. Your parents know you have a boyfriend? Yes. Okay. Here. Um, boyfriends and Facebook and Here. random movies. Girls, girls, listen. Mama. We need to talk. Um, yes. I know that being your age is kind of hard sometimes because you're not really a little girl anymore and you're almost a teenager but you're not quite a teenager teenager yet and almost i'm gonna tell you can i tell you a little secret sure sometimes it's hard being a parent too and it's hard making the right decisions as a parent but definitely i have heard about this conference that first baptist church is having And they're dealing with issues just like the ones that we just talked about. Facebook and boyfriends. And it's not just for children. It's for parents, too. So (laughs) why don't you tell your parents when you get home tomorrow after the sleepover? And we'll see if we can all go together to the conference. And you know what I heard? I hear Brant Sandifer's going to be there leading the music. OMG, I am so there. (laughs) Me too. too. Hey, y'all ready to make cookies now? Yes. Yes. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Uh, We're so glad that y'all are here with us this morning. Just like that skit just said. First of all, y'all give a hand for Gina and all our little actors. They're great. Um, We do have a conference coming up this very next weekend, February 24th and 25th. It's called Almost a Teenager. You can register today for that conference. And we'll be talking about just the same kind of issues that were brought up in this skit. Um, How to parent teenagers. How to be a teenager. Um, All those things we wrapped up into this Friday night and Saturday weekend. Um, If you register today, we will enter you into a drawing to have a free Chick-fil-A breakfast on Saturday morning with Brant Sandifer. (laughs) So we're excited about that. And uh, you will get in your Sunday school room for 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders 
a registration form to sign up and pay today. So if you'll just turn those in to either Sabina or I today, it'll take care of it, and we're looking forward to a great weekend. Um, also, if today is your very first day here at First Baptist, we are so excited. We love it when people come for the very first time. In the next few moments, if you would just stay seated, our ushers will come forward and bring you a piece of paper to look through and fill out and return in the offering plate. And our, church, our First Baptist Church members will also come by and say hello and greet you. So let's spend the next few minutes saying good morning to each other. Hello and welcome to First Baptist Church Tipton. My name is Mary Claire Rains. I'm involved in the children's ministry here. I'm a GA teacher as well as a nursery coordinator and we're thrilled to have you with us today. We're thrilled that you've joined us to be part of our television audience. We hope that you'll grab your Bible, that you'll sing along, and that you'll follow as Brother Wayne brings us today's message. We do have counselors standing by. If you have some prayer needs or you have some questions about First Baptist Church or about becoming a Christian, you can call the church at 382-6063 or you can visit the website at www.fbctifton.org. Once again, we do thank you for joining us and we hope to see you here one day.
kind of changed music so much. I'm going to do a song. It's a Jeremy Camp song. It's called uh, You're Worthy of My Praise. And it's kind of rocking. It's going to get you moving a little bit. So I hope you enjoy it. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will worship. With all of my heart, I will praise you all of my strength. I will seek you all of my days, and I will follow.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we once again come to you on this side of eternity, Lord. We want to once again lift up the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names and is worthy of our utmost praise. And God, now as we come to this portion of our service where we give back a portion that belongs to you, we just pray, God, that you would use this offering for the furtherance of thy kingdom and for the advancement of the word of Christ. And we just want to ask, God, you bless both the gift and the giver for us all in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
music, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Good. All right. Before I get started this morning, I want to tell you a little bit um, about this past week. Friday, a week ago, Brian Tankersley organized four prayer meetings around the county to pray for our farmers, to pray for the farms, to pray for their families. And I went to one of those, and uh, I was just so humbled by, there's about 12 or 15 farmers who came Friday at, I guess it's about 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, they just poured out their hearts, and we prayed for the season, the harvest season. We prayed for um, the families and the farmers, but most of all, they prayed for rain. They prayed for rain because a lot of them irrigate from ponds that were dried up from last year. And so I just, I couldn't help but think about last night, you know, it was a gully washer. And uh, we just, we're just so thankful um, that, that God answered that prayer. And so I just want to pray right now a prayer of thanksgiving. So bow with me. Father, we, we pause to thank you for the rain that came yesterday and last evening. And, and even though it was strong, you knew what we needed. And uh, there may have been some folks that stayed home this morning as a result, but we're here because when we pray and we see tangible results of that prayer, it is incumbent upon us to acknowledge you as the source and to praise and thank you for it. Father, fill up the ponds, fill up the the water table underneath the ground, fill up um, just all the needs that the farmers have around us, full and overflowing, and we'll give you the praise. We'll be, we'll be mindful of where it comes from and who sends it and why because you are a great God and you love and provide for us always and we praise you in Jesus name amen amen Um, we are in in our preaching through the Bible we have gotten to the book of Obadiah and I don't think I've ever preached on Obadiah before probably with good reason (laughs) No, um, every, I believe all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament. You notice it just says Obadiah 10 through 15. That's because it has no chapters. There's only 21 verses in Obadiah. And I'm going to read verses 10 through 15. The book of Obadiah is basically about judgment upon the Edomites. I'm going to tell you that story, and the sermon of the message is what goes around, what comes around. What goes, you've heard it too, haven't you? What goes around comes around. And that's basically what Obadiah is telling the Edomites in his short little prophecy. And he's angry. Obadiah verse 10, for the violence done to your brother Jacob, he's talking to the Edomites, who are cousins of the Jews. For the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, he's talking about when Jerusalem got sacked, Edomites stood by and watched. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day strangers carried off his wealth, foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But you should not have gloated over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. You should not have rejoiced over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. 
You should not have boasted in the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of his calamity. You should not have gloated over his disaster in the day of his calamity. You should not have looted his goods in the day of his calamity. You should not have stood at the parting of the ways to cut off his fugitives. So when people were escaping from Jerusalem, the Edomites cut off their escape. And in this adding insult to injury, you should not have delivered up his survivors in the day of distress. So the Edomites cut off those who were fleeing Jerusalem and turned them over to the, to the nation that was conquering Judah and, and sold them as slaves. Listen, this is the judgment upon them as a result. Verse 15. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. Pretty strong, isn't it? Can you tell Obadiah is upset at what Edomites had done to the Jews fleeing Jerusalem and fleeing Judah in the day of their calamity, in the day of their distress? Instead of cousins coming in to help them and and protect them and rescue them, they stood by and gloated and even intercepted some of the fugitives fleeing and delivered them over to their captors. As it has has been done, it shall be done to you and returned upon your heads. Verse 15. Let's pray. Father, help us to learn from this Old Testament prophet Obadiah and the message that he is sending to the Edomites. Father, help us learn that how we treat others, what we say to others, how we act toward others, will eventually come back around and rest on our own doorstep. So help us be kind and gracious and loving because you, O God, have been that way with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're familiar with the interesting story of bats, aren't you? You know bats are mammals and not birds. And and the amazing thing about bats is they can fly through caverns deep beneath the earth and never strike a wall and never bump into anything. And for a long time, people thought those big eyes that bats had could see in the dark. So scientists caught some bats and did some experiments with them. They put them in a room and they stretched some wires across the room. And they flew the bats through that room and they didn't hit a single wire. They didn't scrape a wall. They just flew right through it. So they covered up their eyes and they sent sent the bats through and they went through the room and they didn't strike a wire, they didn't strike a single wall. So they covered up their mouths and their ears and sent the bats through and they hit every wire and they ran into the walls and it was a mess. And so what the scientists learned as a result of that is that bats can't see with their eyes, basically they're blind. You know this. The way that they fly at night is because they send out a high, shrill pitch that comes back to their ears, and they can hear it kind of like sonar, constantly bouncing off the things around them, an insect, a a tree, whatever. And it's it's happening so fast that they can hear that sound bouncing back to them like an echo. And why I tell you that is because I think a lot of our lives are like that. What you send out comes back to you in some form or fashion. There's some verses throughout the Bible that proclaim this truth. 
Ecclesiastes 11.1 says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Ecclesiastes 11.1, Cast your bread out upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Mark 4.24, Jesus is telling his disciples, By the standard you measure, it shall be measured to you. In other words, how you treat others is how you will be treated. Galatians 6, 7, Paul writes to the Galatians, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, what? That he shall also reap. What you sow, you reap. Don't sow wild oats and then expect a harvest of wheat. Okay? It's going to come back to roost. And here it is in Obadiah, verse 15, the only chapter of the book. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. And if you, if you read all 21 verses of Obadiah, as I said, the, the longest, I mean, the shortest book in the Old Testament, it's almost the shortest book in the Bible, except I think 2 John and 3 John are a little bit shorter. But the whole book of Obadiah, this is what the whole book of Obadiah is about. I didn't pick out one little phrase in Obadiah to preach on this morning. This is what Obadiah is about. He is issuing a harsh invective against the Edomites because of how they treated Jerusalem in its day of calamity, how they treated Judah, the southern kingdom of the Jews, when they were being invaded and conquered by outside armies. Obadiah says, what you have done to us, O Edomites, this will be done to you. And in order to understand what's going on here. And I've got a little outline in your worship bulletin. You need to understand the background of the Edomites and how this family feud began. The Edomites are the descendants, are you ready? Are the descendants of Esau. The Edomites are the descendants of Esau. Do you remember the, the battle between Jacob and Esau from the start in the book of Genesis? Esau was the firstborn, Jacob was the secondborn, just behind him as twins, and uh, Jacob was the supplanter, and and throughout his life he was trying to trick Esau and and deceive him and get his birthright, and and he did so at his father's death. You know, he wore the, the hairy mantle and went into his father as he was dying, and his father felt the hair on his back and thought he was Esau and gave him his blessing, and Esau came in and saw how he had been cheated. There was another time when Jacob, when, when Jacob was in cooking with his mother and Esau was out hunting and Esau comes in and he's famished and, and uh, Jacob's cooking him some, you know, something on, he knows he's hungry and he has something in his pot over the fire and Esau smells it and Jacob says, you know, I'll, I'll give you some if you'll, you know, give me a portion of your inheritance. And so he's always tricking him. He's always deceiving him. He's always... Um, taking advantage of him, and this bad blood existed between the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, and the Jews, the descendants of Jacob, for generations and generations. And it wasn't, didn't really culminate until the days of the New Testament. You know who, do, who an Edomite is in the New Testament? King Herod. King Herod, when Jesus was born, wasn't a Jew. He was an Edomite. And so when he came, when he was there and those three wise men came in and said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Well, see, Herod wasn't born a Jew. Herod was born an Edomite. He said, 
Let me know who he is so I can come and worship him too. And then when the wise men deceived him, you remember what Herod did? He killed all the Jewish babies two years of age and younger. And he had no problem doing that because he was an Edomite. And the Edomites hated the Jews. So this has been going on and on and on. And Obadiah is sick of it. And he tells the Edomites in verse 15, As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. You be careful how you treat others. Because what goes around, what? Comes around. It'll come back around on you. And that's true in so many areas of life. It's true... And our relationship with God. I heard a story about a revival preacher who was called on one day to supply in a, in a small country church. And, to, and to, keep himself, to keep company, he brought a son with him. His little boy with him. And they found this church and they went in. And they, as they went in, it was a small country church. And they had an offering box by the entrance. And the father reached in his pocket and put in a quarter. And, and the son, imitating his father had a quarter, and he reached in his pocket and put in a quarter. They went on into the sanctuary. It was a small church, and that day there was only one worshiper who came to church, and he was an elderly man, and you could look at him and tell he was kind of down on his luck, not, not very wealthy, didn't have a whole lot of resources. Well, the revival preacher went through the sermon, and after the message, the, the elderly church member went to the box and dumped out the money that was in it, and handed the revival preacher 50 cents. And the son saw what was happening, and he said, Look, Daddy, just think, if we had put more into it, we would have gotten more out. And that's the way it is in our relationship with God. If you put more service into your relationship with God, you're going to get more out. If you put more prayer into your relationship with God, you're going to get more out. If you put more Bible study in your relationship with God, you're going to get more out. So if you're not getting much from God right now, I've got to ask you, how much are you putting in? Because there's a direct correlation between what you put in and what you get out because what goes around comes around. You see that happening in so many different areas of life. You see it happening in our relationship with others. How you treat others will eventually come back home to roost on your own doorstep. So be careful how you treat others. Because someday, some way, what goes around comes around. This was the very heart of Obadiah's message. And his message was to Edom that one day, O Edom, the way you treated Judah in their day of distress, in their day of calamity, in their day of destruction, how you treated them will come back and be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. And incidentally, that did happen. Uh, Solomon eventually uh, attacked them, and then David eventually subdued the Edomites. So they were always subservient to the Jews, but they never quit trying to get even. That's the way it was. I hesitate to tell you this. This is a personal story about what goes around comes around. And I'd appreciate it if if you don't let this get out. Okay, let's just keep this between us here in church. 
And I, I think about this a lot, and it really taught me an important lesson because this is a, a personal example. When I was at seminary uh, in, the, in the Ph.D. program, I was in New Testament, and I was a grader for Dr. David Garland. He was a popular popular New Testament professor. It's probably the reason I went into New Testament for my Ph.D. work. While doing that, I was a Garrett Fellow, which, which meant I graded for him. Uh, he didn't grade anything. Any student who turned in papers or tests, you know, he would give me the key or he would, you know, kind of give me the, the things that he was looking for in essay questions, and I would grade them and give them back. One fellow in particular I remember very distinctly. I read his paper. You know, we had like 100 students in class, and I read it pretty quickly. Average paper, C. Gave it back to Garland. He returned them. Well, I was surprised a few days later to be coming up to Garland's office, and this student is coming out of his office, and he is furious. He is furious. He shook his paper in my face. This has been 30 years ago. He shook, well, maybe a little longer. He shook his paper in my face and said, I'll have you know I've never made a C on anything in my life. And, and back then, I wasn't very humble. And I uh, could have been kind of a smart aleck, and I said, congratulations. You've done something you've never done before. He didn't appreciate it. Well, imagine my chagrin when four years ago, Catherine goes off to Mercer... And her major professor in her area of studies went to Southern Seminary, had David Garland for New Testament, and I think, I haven't, I can't find my grade book, but I think he had me for a grader. And I think it's the guy. I described him to Catherine, I saw his picture, I've met him. Looks just like I remember. Neither she nor I have asked him <laughs> if he was that student in that class. And we aren't going to tell him until she graduates. But I just, I couldn't get over the coincidence. I couldn't get over the coincidence that the only person I've ever been mean to in my whole life is now responsible for almost a class every semester that Catherine takes. And I think about that because it has driven home to me what goes around will eventually come around. So let me just caution you from my personal experience. Be careful how you treat others. Be careful what you say and what you do because it will eventually come back around and uh, consequences will exist. It's true in our relationship with God. It's true in our relationship with others. It's true in our relationship with life in general. John Claypool used to say, life is not a gamble. Life is an investment with a fairly predictable relationship between cause and consequences. Life is a fairly predictable relationship between cause and consequences. What does that mean? That means if life is treating you unfairly, I can't say for sure, but it might be in retaliation. (laughs) 
for something you have done. Those who look back on their lives and see contentment and happiness and joy, I can almost promise you, made investments in those qualities along their lives, all along their lives. And those, I've met some unhappy, miserable um, folks who feel that life cheated them, you know, and I can see things that they did that made mistakes. That's not always the case, but often it can be the case because what goes around comes around in our relationship with God and our relationship with others and in life in general. There's a a true story that came out of the Great Depression about a gentleman by the name of Judd Brewster who was one of the meanest people in the area. There was a family named Jensen who lost their farm in in the Depression, the Great Depression, and they found out there was a farm available for sharecropping near Judd Brewster's farm, but everybody in town said, you don't want to sharecrop that farm because you'll be next door to one of the meanest people in town, one of the meanest people you'll ever meet. And Jensen, he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If Judd Brewster ever gives me any trouble, I'll just kill him. If he ever gives me any trouble, I'll just kill him. So they moved in and they began their sharecropping. And uh, one day, Jansen, the nice guy, his chickens got out and got over into Brewster's garden. And Brewster came right over to Jansen and banged on his door. He said, your chickens are in my garden. If you don't get them out right now, I guarantee you, you won't have to get them out because they'll be dead. So Jansen went and gathered his chickens and carried them back home. And a few weeks later, Jansen's pigs got out. And his pigs got over in Brewster's garden. And a few, a few minutes later, Brewster came back to, to Jansen and he had a wagon full of pigs behind him. And uh, Brewster said, where do you want me to put these pigs? And Jansen said, what happened? He said, they got in my garden, I warned you, I shot every one of them. They were dead. He left them there at um, Jansen's porch. Well, a few weeks later, as things would happen, wouldn't you know it, but Brewster's pigs, the mean guy, his pigs got out and got into Jansen's garden. So Jansen's son came in and he said, daddy, daddy. Old man Brewster's pigs are in our garden. Let's kill them and take them back to him. And, and uh, Jansen said, no, I'll tell you what we do. Let's load them up in the cart alive and take them back to Brewster. Well, you know it's a whole lot easier to round up live pigs than it is to just throw some dead carcasses in a cart. But eventually they got them all rounded up and they took them back to Brewster. And, and Jansen knocked on Brewster's door and he said, Brewster, your pigs got out, got my garden. And Brewster's head fell because he knew they were dead because of how he had treated Jansen's pigs. He said, just put them out behind the barn and I'll bury them later. And Jansen said, I can't put them out behind the barn because they'll get away. They're still alive. And Brewster said, you mean I killed your pigs and you didn't kill mine? And the two gentlemen sat down and talked for a long time. And when the conversation was over, Brewster ended up giving Jansen half his pigs. And the next Sunday, Brewster was in church for the first time that anybody in that town could remember. And he became a Christian. 
And his son said, Daddy, when we moved here, you said if Brewster ever gave you any trouble, you'd kill him. What did you mean by that? And Jansen said, well, I did kill him. I killed him with kindness. And the mean old man that used to live next door to us doesn't exist anymore. He's not the same man that he used to be. And and that story became popular because Brewster's grandson became a preacher. And he would tell that story wherever he went to try to teach people that someday, some way, when there's a cycle of revenge getting even between one person and another, somebody eventually has to break it. Because someone was willing to take a risk and instead of reciprocating with revenge, used a little kindness. And that's the way life is. It's called the rule of reciprocity. It's called uh, the echo principle. It's called what goes around comes around. And what Obadiah says, as you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own heads. And I'll tell you the reason why we can return goodness for evil is because somebody a long time ago broke that cycle of revenge for us. And his name was Jesus Christ because the penalty for sin is death. But Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. God didn't kill us because of our sin. He sent Jesus to die on our behalf. And when he did so, he broke the cycle of revenge that was going on and freed us from having to pursue that cycle as well. And if God can break that revenge cycle for us as sinful as we are and sent his only son to die on a cruel cross to pay the penalty for our sins, which was death, then maybe we can do a little bit better for each other. Unlike the Edomites, maybe we can return good for evil, love for hate, goodness for rejection. The possibility is always there. It's your decision. Let me forewarn you. What goes around comes around. It might take 30 years, it might take 35, but eventually do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You'll be a lot happier and more content because that's the kind of life you've invested in throughout it. Let's bow together. Father, help us to realize that meanness usually begets meanness. Kindness usually begets kindness. And we can't treat others with disrespect and hatred 
and then expect something differently in return. Help us to learn the lesson of Obadiah. That as as we do shall be done to us. And our deeds shall return upon our heads. We thank you, God, that sin is the exception to that rule. Because Jesus came into our world to pay the penalty. and, And in that one action, that one action of love, he broke the cycle of sin and death and sin and death and sin and death. And because he did that, instead of death, we can have life. And we can share that life with others regardless of how they treat us. They can't control how we respond to them. And we're responsible for what we do, not what others do. So where there is bitterness and anger and hostility... Remind us of all that Jesus has done for us and help us return good for evil and break that cycle once and for all, even as Jesus has done for us. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. It is incumbent upon me to tell you that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But it doesn't just happen automatically. It doesn't just happen because you come to church or read the Bible. It happens in a transformation inside your heart when you confess your sins and invite Jesus in to be your Lord and Savior. It has to happen in a moment that you can look back on and know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus came in and saved you and is living in your heart and is Lord of your life today. If you don't have that assurance, you can have it today. We open up the doors of invitation and fellowship. Uh, We're going to sing a song, and I'll be at the front to receive you. If you need to talk about that, if you need counsel, or if you've already made that decision, and you need to share it publicly, you come as we stand together and as we...